Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's a plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what we need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the intrepid trio, Kylan, Eric, and myself, Mike. And we are joined tonight. Uh, we have a great guest. We talked about it last week, saying we're gonna, we had a guest. We were going to tease, but not tell you who it was. We are going to tease. Kind of teased it a little bit more today on Twitter. Uh, you might know him from such things as the Blacklist, Boardwalk Empire, Law and Order. But most recently, and the most important to this show, Luke Cage. I bring to you Detective Mark Bailey, a.k.a. Justin Swan. Wayne. How's it going, guys? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, good. How are you? Good. I feel intimidated after that intro there, dude. You mean your intro? I love that intro to your show. That's pretty cool. (laughs) So we knew a guy, so... After listening to that intro, it makes me realize we need to add some stuff from the Netflix series into it. Or find Game some. into that. Oh yeah, come on, guys. So can we add? Can we add Omni Immortal Iron Fist in there somewhere? It says like twenty times. Well, and I love Danny, but I'm just saying. I, I think we need to find a, a, a great quote or a great soundbite from uh, Detective Mark Bailey to add to it. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, definitely, absolutely. So, or, or at least a, at least a sweet Christmas should be in there. <laughs> Oh, I think that. I okay, think one, one more time for the kids at home. Sweet Christmas. There we go. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I think oh, we that, found it. <laughs> oh, that, that that does my Luke my Luke Cage loving heart some good. It really does. <laughs> as we're talking about this, I'm, I'm as quickly as possible going to uh, where it go. Sweet Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> So there it is. How how initially did you get involved with the uh, the Luke Cage project? Uh, which you came in late on season one. Yeah, um, actually, there Mark Bailey did make an appearance in, in episode five in season one. I was in the I was in the pilot, and then I was supposed to be in episode five, but they changed up some story stuff, and it didn't fit anymore. So then I made my kind of big debut. I think it was episode seven in uh in season one. Okay. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, it was really funny actually. I, when I was auditioning for it, I had no idea what it was. Um, it was, it was a complete surprise because everything is shot under a code name. So when you audition for stuff from Marvel and stuff on Netflix, you have to sign all these waivers and like these NDAs and they don't even tell you all the names are changed on the script and like all this stuff. So when I auditioned for it, I didn't even know what I was auditioning for. It was just something called Tierra by Disney. So I, I thought it was a, uh, a princess movie. Oh, <laughs> that, that's an interesting twist. Oh man, that that's like the mother of all Easter eggs right there. That oh, really is. Absolutely. It was pretty funny. I mean, I didn't even know what it was until I got an email. Basically, it's this kind of cool email. It's like, okay, welcome. You're now part of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, this is your code to get into your scripts because it's all top secret online. And, uh, and then it went from there. It's pretty cool. Sweet. Sweet. Knowing that's knowing awesome. that the that the name for it was Tierra is a whole new meaning to Sweet Christmas. <laughs> so uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, about I, how far how far in did you realize? I mean, just like how far before uh, the shooting started? Um, I got cast in it. Uh, it was actually over Labor Day. It was it was a um, 
I, I got cast. I found out when I was when I was traveling with my wife up north. We were we were in a convertible, and, and I had to pull over to the side of the road because I had two auditions that day before we, we left town. And one of them was for a show called um, it was it's it's off the air now. It's called Limitless. And and I went in. It was oh for, wow! Yeah, I went in for that, and I I was I was terrible. I, <laughs> it was it was absolutely horrible. And um, when I left that audition, I think I quit acting completely. I was like, that's it. I'm done. I don't want to ever do this again. And then um, I went in for this second audition that I thought was a you know a Disney princess movie, and uh, went in and, and was kind of goofing around with the cast director, talking to her, Julie Schubert, who's just amazing, and. And I was kind of relaxed and devil may care. And um, and then that was, you know, she was like, let's do this scene. I'm like, all right, let's do the scene. And, and we went through it and she gave me some adjustments and and that was it. And she kind of mentioned a couple of times on the way out, she, you know, they like, have you done anything for Netflix? Have you ever worked for Marvel? And I said, no, I'd, I'd really like to. And she said, well, you might. And I was like, that's a good sign. Um, <laughs> and yet you're and still so, thinking I'm going to be in tights. And, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna wear I'm gonna wear a little princess crown. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna voice a Disney character, you know. It's... Yeah, yeah, me and Mickey. No, but um, but then when I was when after I found out I got cast, um, I, I did some digging and you know asked around in my actor network, what is this thing? What's this code name mean? And I found out it was Luke Cage. And then um, and then I was like, wow, that's that's crazy. But like back then, he was he was much more of like a lesser known you know Marvel uh character. And my father in law actually. Actually, is a huge comic book geek. Like he, he loves comic books, and he goes, "Do you know why they call it Tierra?" And I was like, "No." And he whipped out all of his Luke Cage comics, <laughs> and he, he showed me everything. And he was, um, he was really happy about it, and it was cool. He actually knew everything about the the, uh, the comic, so it was he was my source. Uh, you know what? I have something that I think you will appreciate. One moment. While well, he's okay. getting that, uh, I will, well, understand that this is a visual me. It was a well, it's not a visual medium, but whatever. It's an audio medium, so the listeners are might have to do a play by play. All right, so I am. I'm a huge Luke Cage fan myself. Just, just my, barely, you know, maybe just a, just a just, touch, just a small. This is so, you're one to talk, Mister the Duck. <laughs> so Long what I'm holding here is a Heroes for Hire Luke Cage and Iron Fist uh, action figure. Well, actually, let's call them collectibles because they're not really action figures. With uh, like a reprint of, um, I think this may be a reprint of Cage Number One, which is like maybe the second series for them but yeah so no tiara in this one this one is closer to the luke cage that is that is in your series but but yeah <laughs> so nice so for those who don't know uh tell us a little bit about your character detective matt bailey on luke mark, cage mark, mark bailey, bailey. sorry <laughs> no, that's okay. I, this is our um, first got it right every other time get it wrong no, well everybody on the show just calls me bailey anyway i don't think i even had a first name for a long time it's just straight up Bailey. <laughs> so um, it's Bailey. Detective Bailey is fine. Um, Detective Bailey is kind of kind of comes on like you guys said at the at the end of the first season. Um, I don't want too much of a spoiler alert, but it's been out for a while. So something happens to Misty Knight's partner. He's revealed um, as not being above board, and, and something happens to him. So um, I step in and kind of become this this uh, tech guy, a little bit of a confidant to Misty Knight in the uh, New York uh, precinct. And then in the second season, uh, Misty's been away because she lost her arm in the Defender. And um, and she comes back into the precinct and Bailey's kind of got out of the office and become more of an outdoor cat. He's, he's a detective now. He's not just a technician. And he's kind of, you know, got a promotion. And then he finds himself caught between Misty and her old rival, uh, Nandi. And uh, he has to kind of decide where his loyalties lie as the scene as the season progresses excellent now have they talked to you about or did did they talk to you about the potential of maybe appearing in defenders when it came out or man um, i wish it, that that was a plan that had been there all along for marvel that like they were going to put together these you know series and then the series were to culminate in the defenders and basically what i hear kind of around it on set is that like everything got so wildly popular which is great but they they almost weren't ready for the popularity of it. They started doing these second and third seasons of all these shows and they and then they went off and they did the Defenders, but they realized that the standalone shows, like they started doing the spin-off of what, the Punisher 
and all that stuff. So that got all popular and kind of out of control really quick. So they just quickly had to get the Defenders made. And, and I think they were making that around the same time they were filming or ending the filming of Luke Cage season one. So nobody really knew who my character was that was writing the Defenders anyway. So it, the way that they film in tandem, it just um, now I think it might be something more where they might connect the worlds. But you know, that's up for the, you know, the secretive brain trust at Marvel to figure out. So now that you've appeared in two seasons, are we are we safe to announce there is a Detective Bailey series coming to Netflix? Yes, you heard it here first. There is a Detective <laughs> Bailey the series coming to networks where I, I break Nandi out of jail <laughs> and we, uh, we we take over Harlem and we have to fight uh, Luke Cage. That, that's what's happening. Works <laughs> and, for me. That's that... not true. And Marvel, that is not true. <laughs> I would watch that, though, because that'd be... <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, there's all this talk about the Daughters of the Dragon, of... of, um, of uh, you know, Luke Cage and Iron Fist teaming up. Who knows where they're gonna what they're gonna do? Oh, See, we man. we we've been saying that with with the way Iron Fist was so poorly received or or so critically received, not poorly received, so critically received. We said forego Luke Cage season two. This is before we knew it, and just news season two is coming. It's like let's merge the two casts and do Heroes for Hire. Just jump right to it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You guys watched the second season, right? So I yes, I yes? did. I did. I I binged it first weekend <laughs> yeah so you saw uh, i think it's episode 10 danny Rand does make an appearance and and as far as the critical acclaim is concerned people really took to the way that he uh, portrayed iron fist in that episode yeah they 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 got it right that time i was uh, i was wowed i was like okay well, i think season two of iron fist is going to get it right as well which and would i think see, i oh, think go ahead. and i think that would make it easy to bring the two together for heroes for hire. Well, we are get. I, I think it's. I, I feel like it's going to happen because they've already announced it in season two of uh, Iron Fist that we're getting Daughters of the Dragon. So, so if that's going to officially be a thing, I feel like Heroes for Hire isn't far away. So, yeah. although the way things ended in uh, season two of Luke Cage. I don't know. What did you think of that? I mean, I, you know, like, so when you're in it and you're filming it, it's really cool. It's really fun because, you know, they're filming other Marvel series at the same time. So you're kind of living in this Marvel world um, out in Brooklyn. And, right. um, and you know, you're running into Jessica Jones in the hallway. It's weird and kind of cool. <laughs> um, but uh, they, they film it, you know, in pieces. And so I don't right. even really know all the time what's happening in the other areas of the world of that series. And it's so complex. And, you know, Cheo, the showrunner, did an amazing job bringing in all these elements that like I didn't even really know the breadth of the show until I watched it myself and in that last in that last episode when they do that homage to the to the uh, Godfather yes I, I thought that was super cool. I, I just, I just, I think that they earned that, and I really loved it. I thought it was great. I, it was, I that that was inspired because I was, I'm sitting there and I'm watching. And I'm like, why does this feel so familiar to me? And I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. you know, the thing was, I, I, I maybe, I, I maybe, uh, I have a theory, and it's so a theory is with a lot of holes in it, maybe. But I, I think based on what happened with the end, the end of season two, it reminds me. of of a storyline that was in Daredevil called Shadowland, where Daredevil decides to take over the hand and try to make the hand good uh, in Hell's Kitchen, and it doesn't end well for him. So my thinking is this is sort of like what Luke's assumption is. And I don't, uh, well, I'm pretty certain it's not going to end well, but I'm curious to see what, what where things go, you know, as, uh, and actually what that means for you, uh, since Misty probably will no longer be on the force, <laughs> you know, so yeah, you're, you're, you, you might be seeing a little bit more action, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, with the way that it, the way that it ended, you know, in season two, they had offered Misty the position to kind of take over the precinct. And I, I don't know if she really made her decision yet by the end of the season. So, so we'll see where that goes. That's true. Yeah. Well, I, I, ha I do. I have a question for you because the the, the precinct scenes seem to be very intense. Um, yeah. So how how do you prepare for something like that? Because it just it just seems like every every precinct scene, maybe there's a little bit of humor, but there's just a lot of like intense energy going on. They do keep it pretty intense. And it's really great because because of the set and the way that it is. I, I think that, like you can really feel, you know, the set and the costumes do 90 percent of your job for you. You can just really live in it. And then you just kind of, you know, take take the momentum from there. But 
What's funny is there'll be nights where we're shooting really late and people start getting slap happy and a little goofy. <laughs> and you'll look over and, you know, Priscilla Ridley and, and uh, Misty Knight are, dan- are dancing around, you know, for a second, you know, just kind of blowing off steam. Or, you know, one night I was I was inter- I was supposed to be like I'm in the background in this scene and there's a girl and she'd been in a, in a, in a she was near a shooting and she's covered in blood and they're shooting a scene in the foreground. And I'm in the background talking to this girl covered in blood. I'm supposed to be, um, you know, interviewing her as Detective Bailey. It was getting late. We were all acting crazy. And I started drawing sketches in my sketchbook of, like, cartoon dogs and stuff. <laughs> Being like, is, this, is, is this the man you saw? You saw? And and, uh, and then, like, she was laughing. And then finally, it was near Christmas time. And so I, I drew a picture of the Grinch. And I was like, so please tell me, is this the man you saw stealing Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> and so she was laughing a bit and um and I, I got reprimanded by the director. I was, I was being a bad actor for a second. Ah. Oh. So 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 you know, no, but you are. You're blowing off steam and then but then you know they hit, you know, one, two, three, go, and you're in the scene and you you know, the way that you're able to keep loose even in between takes like that, it actually helps you be intense while the camera's rolling, or at least from my perspective. If you can kind of be loose and then bring that into the scene, it, it actually helps you get more focused in a way, because you feel relaxed. Okay, what's the most surreal moment that you've had in in filming Luke Cage? Whether it's like, oh, hey, I just bumped into Jessica Jones in the hallway, or, or did did this alleged perpetrator have a dog with antlers tied to his head? <laughs> um, no, I, actually, I, I have a I, I had a thing that happened in season two that was like so meta. It was like it was like crazy. And it's because we film in Harlem and now Luke Cage season one come out and we're filming season two in Harlem. And I'm walking down the street with Mike, who who plays Luke Cage, and we're walking to set. And then all these kids are running up to him in real life. But it's exactly like the show being like Luke Cage, Luke Cage in Harlem, in Harlem. And I'm sitting there next to it watching this happen, you know, because Mike's, you know, become a pretty big star. And so life and art were all imitating and crossing over in, in itself in my walk from the trailer to set. So I thought that was a pretty cool moment was the kind of watching Harlem literally become the Harlem and Luke Cage right in front of me. Now, when you got cast for Luke Cage, I know you said your father-in-law showed you a lot of the books. Uh, have you, while on a long break on a day of shooting, gone to a comic book shop in Harlem to pick up some Luke Cage comics? I, I wish that I said that I that I have, but I have not. Um, I've definitely stopped by during Christmas season and bought my fair share of um, Luke Cage comics from like Newberry Comics and stuff up here in, in Connecticut. But uh, uh, no, I, I think the one cool thing was when I was filming season one of Luke Cage, season one of Jessica Jones was just released. So I'd be up in my dressing room watching Jessica Jones and, and Luke Cage make his appearance in that series. And then I'd walk downstairs and film Luke Cage season one downstairs. So I'd be watching Jessica Jones and then filming Luke Cage at the same time. Wow. Okay, that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty nuts. I mean, for me, the whole thing is kind of a pinch me moment to be able to be involved in it. And, you know, just everybody that's so talented, like Alfre and Theo and Mike and, and Simone Missick to play my scenes against her with, and also with uh, Antonique. Um, it's like so cool. They're all such amazing actors and it's it's awesome to be able to play opposite them. Who's been the one person on set that you've kind of gotten starstruck and speechless? So when I first got on set, because I we all kind of it's a great feeling, at least on my part, I, I feel very much like being on set is it, you feel kind of like family oriented in a way or like, you know, we all were building it from the ground up from the first season. And, you know, the people that were a big major part of it, they were always really sweet and and nice to me. And, and they made me feel very welcome on the days I was on set. And so I always felt really calm, you know, around the people that were there building their characters. And I was watching it from day one. So like Misty and Luke, you know, Simone and, and Mike and everybody they were, and Theo and, and Alfred have always been really open and, and just like normal people with me, which is great. Um, so one of the big things for me was I'm a, I'm a huge fan of The Wire okay. and mm-hmm. and I'm a big fan of Pulp Fiction. So okay. when I was shooting the first season, you, you had people on, I met, you know, uh, the, you know, the guy from, he's, he's from Pulp Fiction and I'm sitting there going, being starstruck and he's telling stories about when, you know, he, he shot Pulp Fiction and coming back to the United States and it got popular and he was on the you know subway and people were going, say what again in his face. 
and hearing stories about Pulp Fiction and everything uh, from from Raphael Scarf uh, was was pretty awesome. But also, um, you know, there's the, the Clark Johnson directed episode 13, and he's also one of the guys that directed he directed the pilot for The Wire. Um, and so he was telling stories about working on The Wire and, and and casting McNulty and all of this stuff when we were shooting episode 13 on season one. So that's kind of the people I was like kind of starstruck the most because I was such a huge fan of of like those shows. Awesome. You know, Frank Whaley, and plus Frank Whaley is an amazing actor. He did a great job as Scarf, and it was really cool to be able to meet him and, and those guys. And but yeah, so those are kind of my moments on set. But but mostly, you know, they, everybody is so cool and even killed and very humble about, you know, how amazingly talented they are. You just kind of feel like, great, I'm coming to work with great people. Now, were you much of a, a geek before joining or being cast in Luke Cage? I was a huge fan of the movies. The Marvel, the uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and so that's why your your intro to to the show really. I knew every single one of those lines. I probably heard them like a thousand times. Um, I watched those movies probably too much to my to my wife's chagrin. I I, I love watching the Marvel movies. So, um, yeah, I, I was a big fan of the films, um, not so much the comics. Why? So see, action. now you can get away from you can get away with watching them saying, but honey, it's research. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I got I to watch. What if I what if I show up in Doctor Strange? Like, come on. Or in the next Avengers movie. That would be amazing. I don't know if they have any plans for those crossovers, but uh, that would be incredible if it all ended up in that. I mean, a big debate was, is um, Infinity War going to affect Luke Cage and, and the Defenders universe? Did you guys ever talk about that stuff? I think we have. And it's yeah. just it's a question of, you know, this is supposedly happening throughout the entire universe. Yeah. And I mean, it. Who's I think it was Feige even said, yes, it affects the animals. So, you know, you wake up, you go to bed with two goldfish, you wake up, there's one in a, and, and some grit at the bottom. And it does kind of make you wonder. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the thing is that because I was trying to play with the uh, figure out the timeline. Uh, cause I, so I, I know, uh, season two of Luke Cage, uh, takes place, uh, not too long after Defenders, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not certain, but, and I get the feeling that it may be a bit before, well, it's definitely before, uh, uh, Thanos, uh, comes to earth because otherwise, yeah, uh, otherwise people wouldn't care about a superpowered Jamaican, <laughs> you know, when, you know, when half the city is gone. Um, but I'm not sure if once we get to season two of Iron Fist, if that moves the clock along enough for that, you know, well, I, Th that, that's I, the only thing. I guess a good question to ask is, ha has anyone involved with the show, have they ever told you guys where the seasons fall within the, the MCU? No, man, I'm, I'm telling you, they keep everything so secret. Sometimes you don't even get full scripts. So you're kind of you play your part in their world and, and they pull the strings up at the top. Okay. Now, with the Netflix shows, is are, is that like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and part of Marvel Entertainment or are you guys a part of uh, Marvel Studios? Um, it's from Marvel Studios. Okay. So there's like a two-headed monster. I think there's um, Kevin Feige at the top of um, the MCU um, and uh, and we have uh, Jeff Loeb runs all the Marvel television stuff. And so he's the one who, who chimes in and, you know, kind of controls things from the top down. Okay. By the way, you, you mentioned Mustafa and um, and his character on the second season. What did you what did you think of him as a villain? Oh, my. I I I, I had the same affection for him that I had for um, uh, Killmonger in, in Black Panther. Like, I, I understood why he did what he did. I, I, and he was kind of likable. And so I struggled with that because I was like, I, I get why you're doing what you're doing. I don't agree with your methods, but I understand. I'm like, so he was a really good villain and I I hated to see him. Well, okay, as you know, the show's been out long enough. I hated to see him go, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But um, he was, and, and the, the actor himself, why I just, the way he brought that role to life in the scenes with him and uh, Luke, the, the, like there's that intensity, but at the same time, you could tell that there's a mutual respect for each other. And so 
it, it it was it was really good and it was nothing like I expected a second season villain to be. So it was good. I enjoyed it. That's awesome. Yeah, I, he's a great guy too. Mustafa who plays that part. He's just in. He's just incredible. Um, nice guy. I remember from day one of seeing the first table read uh, with everybody feeling like the second season would be really special and and like he was killing it. I wrote I went up to him after the table read. I was like, dude, you're amazing. It was he was great. Uh did he do his own fight scenes cuz some of those scenes were just downright amazing. I wasn't there for all of them, but I mean, he's he's in shape and, you know, so was Mike and like they're, you know, they were awesome opposite each other and I think they did a lot of their own fighting in in a lot of the scenes and then you'd switch it out and a stunt double would come in, but they're all doing the moves and then they're cutting together all the good stuff, you know. Um I'm not sure if he did every single stunt, but man, he was in good shape. Wow. Okay, so you made a comment about uh, your character showing up in Doctor Strange, and that's got me. That's got me wondering. It's got me thinking. Say there is a long-awaited crossover between the cinematic and the Netflix. You have your chance, your choice of movie franchises you want in. Where do you go? Do you go Doctor Strange? Oh, this is tough. This this is tough. You're, you're putting me in a corner here, just because I love so much, so specifically about each one of those worlds. Um, but I think the coolest thing that could happen is somehow you're up somewhere far, far from Earth, and somehow Detective Bailey ended up on a spaceship in Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden he shows up next to Rocket or something, and you're like, how did this, just just the sheer of how did this guy end up here and the story that went along with it? I think just for that alone, I would, I would love to show up in Guardians of the Galaxy. That could be crazy. It- and his new partner is Howard the Duck. Yeah, that would be that would be a little strange. <laughs> I'd like the collector, man. I'd like to show up in the maybe I'm a personal bodyguard for the collector or something. Um, I love that character, man. Benicio del Toro, he's so cool. Actually, I kind of like the idea of of Bailey and, and Howard teaming up. <laughs> the Bailey and Howard the Duck special. Yeah, Bailey and Duck, private investigators or something. That That's be- a good show. There you go. I like it. Bailey and Howard the Duck. The, yeah. the investigate the universe. Actually, the proper. I, I could be a good foil for Howard. I'm pretty straight laced. I'd be like, Howard, come on, you got to stop. You know, hitting on the girls. You got you got to pay attention to to the case here, buddy. <laughs> I, I think the the proper title would be Quack Eye for the Private Eyes. Quack Quack Eye. Quack Eye for the Private Eyes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm so I'm so sorry, Justin. I'm sorry. It's okay. We all get one. We all get a moment. <laughs> well, you you get free ride on the hella bus. How about that? Sounds good. <laughs> So what's been probably your your top favorite moment being on the show? Wow. I mean, for, for a guy like me, like being on the show, like every time you go to set, you're getting a chance to basically play comic books like like cops and robbers at the highest level um, with, you know, full on you know costumes and everybody buying in. So it's really like a joy every time you go to set to be able to play in that world. It, it, it's it's true like privilege and I never take it for granted. Um, and there's, you know, different times I got to do different things. And one one, um, you know, uh, scene we got to shoot out at the uh, out at an airport um, and they didn't use some, the footage uh, from it. I, I just think it didn't fit with, you know, the, the pacing of the show. And, it, you know, it's not a big deal or whatever. But we were shooting out there and I got to shoot on the tarmac. And what you don't see is we actually pulled like a vehicle stunt um, when we were going up to stop Nandi. And, and they, you know, they gave me fair warning and everything, but I'd never done anything like that before. And so we just came like screeching up the tarmac and they did like a skid in the, in the car. And I was like, what? And they were like shooting some B-roll on the inside. Um, and then I jumped out, like run over. They ended up not using it, but, uh, but like that was a pretty crazy moment for me. So I'd never done anything like that before. Um, so that was kind of like just physically, viscerally, like an interesting moment. But I got to say like some of the other moments that were awesome is, you know, I got to do this really cool scene in the interrogation room opposite um, uh, Misty and, and Priscilla and uh, Karen and, and Simone are they're amazing actors and, and like being able to shoot that scene and they gave me some stuff, some pushback, a little bit of, you know, feistiness against them. I really enjoyed shooting that scene. It was a lot of fun and I'd love you know to do more stuff like that. That was great. Just out of curiosity, uh, you mentioned that, you know, this was a scene that never made it into the finished series. Uh, ballpark estimate, how much of what y'all shoot winds up on the cutting room floor? I mean, it's hard to say, um, 
because of what's going on with like other characters. I don't know everything they're shooting and what's coming in and what's not. I know that like they're they're paying attention to big picture by the time they get to the editing room, and so there's a lot of little bits, little bits here and there that get shaved off. And so it doesn't really feel like you're like missing, you know, full scenes or whatever, but it's just little moments that you're like, oh, that would have been a cool moment if they kept that or if they did this. But then again, in the general pacing of everything, you don't know what it looks like in the big picture. So you just kind of, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things, little moments here and there that they don't keep um, that you as the audience never know about that, you know, I'd love to be able to see. But I think that like that bit, those bits, they're they're so incremental and small. It's hard to you know give them an equivalency to say it was actually this much. Um, but there is so much that we've we filmed that I don't think that, that you get to see just because it doesn't fit in the overall picture. OK, so on camera, on camera, off camera, uh, season one, season two and any of the other uh, cinematic stuff that you've done for for Marvel. What's the most Marvel moment that you've had? The most Marvel moment that I had. Yeah. Well, like like you're like, oh, my God, this could be in a comic book. Like what? Yeah, I, that's interesting because. Um, I, I was thinking about it in a different way when you first asked it, because this year uh, I got to walk the red carpet in um, for the premiere. And yeah. uh, I was interviewed by Marvel Television and everything. And they asked about Bailey and his journey for the season and everything like that. And everything was red and you had everybody there at the same time. And that felt very like Marvel in like the not in, like the actual comic book way, but in the very like cinematic universe way. And that okay. was really cool. Like to see everybody there like that um, on set. I think it was when Misty went from being Misty and having no arm to like the day I showed up on set and and she had a bionic arm. And you're like, you're like, OK, because before that, you know, they're doing a lot of things with CGI and everything, but they like made her that bionic arm. And then like when oh. she had a bionic arm, you're sitting there in a scene with someone and they have a bionic arm. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bionic arm. So that's a very Marvel moment with me. It's like the first day I saw Misty with her with her new appendage. Did you know, to, I mean, uh, had you seen enough of the comics to know that that was going to come for her or this was a total surprise? I knew that they were going to have a bionic arm for her eventually. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how they'd get there. But like, you know, they found their way there through the Defenders. And then, you know, there's a whole big part of that first. Simone was incredible, by the way, playing all those moments like dealing with her loss mm -hmm. as i was watching it you know unfold like there was a there's a big chunk of time where she doesn't have an arm and like we're all kind of reacting to that around her uh being like look here is a, here's this very powerful person but they're lacking something right now how do you deal with that you know do you show them pity do you do you give them tough love like what do you do so you know there are those little little tiny moments i like that they kept in the in like i think the second episode where she's getting yeah. up she's she's showing that like look i don't have an arm and and it cuts away to bailey and nandi doing their thing but when she does that you see bailey like kind of look up and he's looking at her and he's almost in a way like hey you still are misty because you're getting up and it doesn't matter what's going on with you you're telling people what's what and i respect that so mm -hmm. there's that level of respect and you see when he walks out he kind of gives her this this sideways look but it's more like i know that she wants to be with us not like mm -hmm. looking down on you you know what i mean right yeah. uh, the the scene where everybody well, okay where no she's she's in she's in the, the room with everyone and she's trying to type and everybody's starting to kind of make fun of her like yeah. that that was i i felt like that was seen that, that seems to be a, a very realistic kind of scene because especially if you work in an area where uh there's a people are in a close pro close proximity then you know people kind of rib each other you know and so it was interesting to see that and uh the and the way you your interaction with her uh you, you know it, it was just you no know, with the eyes that was i that that spoke a lot is especially between the two of you so I, I liked it i thought that was a cool scene yeah that was cool because that was also my first day back on set and it was the first time i saw kind of what they were doing with her and the arm and all that stuff and it was the first time i'd seen simone in a long time and i met my new partner antonique who's amazing and like that was just kind of a big day in general it was, it's really cool man like being a part of this universe it's it's a real Really cool thing, and uh, you know all these all these crazy things happen when you're there, and you're walking, and you know you're seeing Daredevil's picture up, and you know it's all shot in the same place, and uh, it's this little world of Marvel out in Brooklyn. It's cool. Now, what was it been? I mean, have you had? I'll rephrase. Sometimes 
I got three different things trying to come out at the same time. Um, yeah, what's the one in the middle? What's been the fan reaction to your character? And then how much how much fandom have you has your character gotten? I, I think it's definitely stepped up in the second season. Um, Instagram has been like a revelation to me. Like I wasn't really big on Instagram, but like now people um, are finding me more and more, which is great. Like Justin Swain official, come check it out. Like send me messages, all this stuff. But the coolest thing is, it's like it's like fans are noticing, and it's like those little characters like like Bailey who you know fills out the world and you know the the kind of quirkiness of it and everything like I I love that they're noted like fans notice that and they've been and like a lot of fans have been sending me art of like Bailey fan art which blows my mind that like there are people sitting there you know painting pictures or or write or drawing pictures or something of, of me somewhere and then they're posting it online and if you look when someone sends one I try to post as many of them to get sent but they're all really cool and um, I usually like talk to the fans and everything so that's been really cool is like the fans have noticed Bailey, especially this season and and they're they're like responding. And um, I went to a couple Comic Cons, which was interesting. I got to interview uh, Mike and Theo at PhillyCon. So it was basically me kind of running the panel and talking to the fans and everything like that with them there, which was really cool. And Would that uh, have counted as police questioning? Yeah, yeah, they were interrogated. Okay, so it, did, was, it was very, it was very serious. Did, did you run? <laughs> did you run it like an interrogation? Oh yeah, no, no. I, I got out the flashlight. Uh, I, I, no, um, no, it was funny though. We, we had a good time. They, they were pretty goofy. They messed with me a bit when I introduced them. And um, there's some, I'm sure it's online somewhere. People can check it out. But, uh, you know, they're awesome with the fans, too. And so, yeah, I, I like how people reacted to Bailey this season. Hopefully season three, there'll be even more Bailey and, uh, you know, be Daughters of the Dragon and Bailey. <laughs> Son of huh? the Dragon. Yeah. There you go. There you go. You might have to learn some Kung Fu. Hey, I wouldn't be opposed to it. <laughs> when Bailey takes his glasses off and he's a secret, you know, Kung Fu master, like something like that. Be funny. Since you brought up the glasses, have you ever wanted to do that Horatio Kane move in Luke Cage? Oh, I do it all the time. You got to, you got to pay attention. No, no, no. I tell you, this is a funny story. The glasses aren't mine. So what happened was when I left the house, when we were filming season one, episode five, I read in the script that Bailey's bespectacled, right? So on my way out of the house, I grabbed my wife's glasses by accident. <laughs> oh my God. So, so I got to set and I'm wearing my wife's glasses and I'm looking really close at the monitor and I start to feel sick because it's, it's not my prescription. So I'm looking through my wife's prescription and it's making me feel woozy. So I ended up taking the glasses off so I didn't feel woozy. And it became this kind of thing that Bailey did where he starts looking at stuff and he quickly looks away and takes off his glasses. <laughs> um, it's, it's just because they're my wife's prescription and I can't see through them at all. <laughs> So when you seriously uh, go ahead, I was going to say, when you started doing that, were you hearing who in the background? Being like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So in all seriousness, where would you like to see Bailey's, I I guess, character journey for, for lack of a better term in a, in a season three? I mean, you know, like I keep saying the the writers and the right, everyone in the writers room are incredibly talented and they give everybody amazing dialogue and great things to say. And I really trust where they're going to take it and, and you know, where they're, where they're going to put Bailey and everything. Obviously, I'd love to continue to become part of the story and, and uh, you know, work alongside Misty, like continue to get a little bit, you know, I kind of see Bailey as this guy who cares deeply about Misty in a way that's almost paternal, that like she is doing things, you know, following her gut. That's not always in her best interest. And whenever anything's happening that's not really in her best interest, I just try to stay the course and, and get her back to center. And I really like that foil because it's not like Bailey's standing in her way. He's just too much of a square almost to, to let her push the rules too far. And so in a way, it, it's a great foil for Misty. Um, and so I really like playing part. I really like playing it that way. So the more that they let me do that and kind of, you know, get in the way sometimes because I'm a little too straight laced for her, I'd love to do more of that and, and see him getting involved in the, in, in the major arcs and, and doing all kinds of things. Um, 
you know, getting getting to hunt down um, and getting in the way of misinterpreting what Luke is doing and uh, and and basically, you know, messing things up because he's Luke's doing the right thing, but Bailey doesn't see it the right way. And I, I think that could be a cool character arc too. And then who knows, you know, down the line, maybe he makes some misguided attempt at, uh, you know, being being inserting himself into the action a little bit too much. So I don't know, something like that maybe could be cool. What's been one of the craziest fan interaction moments you've had? Um, well, when I was at the, uh, they did this really cool screening of um, Luke Cage season two at the Kennedy Center in um, in in DC, and they played the first two episodes, and it was at a, it was like at a hip hop concert too, because basically all, a lot of the artists in the show performed, and right before they they showed the film, I was walking out of the restroom and um, heading in, and I saw this guy recognized me and and he kind of did this this like uh he craned his neck and kind of like walked into a wall (laughs) 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 and and, and then and then his wife was like was like what what's wrong with you and then he kind of quietly like tried to pretend like he didn't notice and he he was like that's the guy from the show <laughs> and his wife was like, "What?" She's like, "That's that's the guy, that's Bailey from the show." <laughs> and I was like, "I can hear you." Like, I, "Hey, how are you, man? Come over." And he's like, "Oh yeah." We took a picture together and everything, and it was kind of cool. What What's been the scariest moment with a fan that you that you just want to like turn and run the other way? So okay, so this is pretty. I think this is pretty freaky. Um, so I I've gotten invited to some premieres this year. Um, I didn't do this type of stuff in the past, and so I, I was going to like the uh, premiere for an indie film and, and I went to the premiere of the movie Gaudi in New York City here and you know like walked the red carpet and everything and you know John Travolta was there and 50 Cent and you know all these you know you know iconic celebrities and then after the show they had this um this rap this uh you know not a rap party a, a pr- premiere party for the movie at a really kind of exclusive club in New York City and I went there and I went with my wife and the guy running the door um knew me through my PR agency and everything and so we talked a lot before I went in and then I went into the the party and was having a good time later on the guy running the door finds me and he comes over and he, and he goes he goes Justin you'll never believe what happened like after you came in this other guy came over and he said hi I'm, I'm here to to come into the party I should be on the list and and he asked the guy what his name was and the guy said my name is my name is Swain and the guy and my, my friend goes no I, I know who you're talking about he already came in he's in the he's in the party and he goes yeah i know and he goes well what's his first name he goes justin and so basically this guy was like trying to pretend he was me and then he switched up his story and said well actually i'm his plus one and he was trying he, he had somehow found out that i was at this party and he was trying to play himself off either as me or my plus one to get into the party because he knew i was there Wow. I'm sorry. I won't do that, that again. That, <laughs> I told you that was a bad idea, dude. Did that we learn? You? That was no. you? No, it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, but that was weird. It really weirded my wife out. She's like, he must have looked you up online and like found out from your Instagram where you were. Like, that's crazy. But at the same time, that means that you're 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 kind of like up there, right? You, you, you sort of have like a celebrity stalker. That's kind of, I don't know, never yeah. mind. Yeah, you've made the big time. You've got creepy fan interactions. Yeah. You're not officially a celebrity until you have a stalker. There you go. Check it off the bucket list. There you go. <laughs> stalker, check. <laughs> so that was a pretty crazy moment, yeah. Uh, do okay. you uh, go ahead? No, go ahead. Okay, so now with uh, so there's a lot of mu- well, music plays a big role in the show. Yeah. So do do you ever get to? I mean, are you ever there while uh, these these like iconic artists are performing, or like are they? Uh, I, I doubt they would be there for the readings because you know they rarely have lines. But you know, do you ever have any interactions with the with the the, ta- the musical talent as well, or are they I, just kind of like they do their scene and they're done? They they all came to the premiere party in, in New York and they all performed. Oh, and wow. That, and that was super cool. They they awesome. all came and they and basically we watched the first episode as a, as a as a group and then almost all the artists from the season performed there. And that was cool. And what was what was cool too was some of them recognized me from the show and they and after, you know, they you know, they were like hanging out with everybody. We're like, yeah, man, good, you know, good job. And I was like, wow, like, like this, you, you know who I am. That's crazy because they're all icons. 
So, um, so it was, yeah, that's, that was my interaction with them. And it was really cool. They performed in DC too. Um, I don't know his name. I, I really should, but there's a young, uh, guitarist. He's like 19 years old and, and he just shreds. He's so good. And I, I love his performance in the show as well. Mm. I was about to say G- Gary Clark Jr., but it's not him. I don't know, because I watched... Oh, yo, go ahead. No, no, I go can't ahead. remember. If you were able to have an artist do the Detective Bailey theme song, so to speak, uh, who's the artist and what song? Mm. I might get a little bit out of the box on this one, um, but like, I'm a huge christopher cross fan and, I, okay. and I, I believe i believe that sailing would be would be playing through mark bailey's head <laughs> as he sits at his desk <laughs> you know he, i can almost see that he should be sitting there if i could do anything i'd have a scene that starts off with him sitting there being like sailing takes me away oh oh hi misty how you doing like <laughs> I, like that's that's my bailey theme so now I now I'm thinking back to you were talking about the uh, doing this the scene at the airport where you come screeching in I can almost hear ride like the wind underneath that yes exactly like the total antithesis to what you think it would be you know, like some nice Christopher Cross maybe Arthur's theme um, I mean you do know like Bailey likes, <laughs> Bailey likes show tunes like well documented. <laughs> Oh if God. you get caught between the moon and hell's kitchen exactly exactly <laughs> what's in your life you find her like that'll be it like it'd be awesome now i i guess we could ask detective bailey this question new york rangers or new york islanders oh man you had to go there i did Ooh. rangers mets or yankees mets Ooh. Jets or Giants? Jets. Knicks or Nets? Knicks. Interesting. That that, that would be Bailey's choice. I'm pretty sure. He, he's definitely not a Yankees fan. He, he'll, he's a long-suffering Mets fan. I I, can I like re- that. I can respect Wait. that. Being an Ameri- American League fan with the Cleveland Indians, eh, I can't do the Yankees. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, where's the best pizza in in in, in Harlem? Raise pizza. Raise pizza. Okay. Raise pizza. <laughs> he didn't even have to think about that. That was that was like you know what I, I'm putting down the list. I, I, do you get that question a lot, just out of curiosity, or or is that just? Man, I, I, I'm a raised man. That's all there is to it. There's like 70 raised pizza. Everybody says they're right. It's all the same. It all tastes great. Raised pizza. <laughs> well, I know that now that if I uh, if I ever end up in New York, I'm pretty sure I will at some point. Uh, if they if they don't tell me raised, then I'll get uh, I'll doubt their answer. Uh, as someone who used to live in New York, not in the city, but in New York, well, I guess anything outside of the city is considered upstate. Um, what do you like on your pie, and what does Detective Bailey like on his pie? Mm. I feel like I feel like Detective Bailey would have um, green pepper and onion. Ooh, yeah, yeah, okay. I can see that. Yeah, like yeah, yeah I'm gonna have the green pepper and onion. And um, Justin, I like I like me a. Uh, a lasagna slice. Ooh. Ooh. There you go now. Yeah, absolutely. That's like a meal. If you have a lasagna slice of pizza, you don't have to eat for three days. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we have a place here that does uh, stuffed pizzas. And it's a twenty-inch pie. And it's oh my gosh. phenomenal. How are you? Are you alive? That's that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> it's because usually we order the one. My wife and I each have a slice, and the rest is leftovers for to take to work. Take a slice to work each day for the next couple of days. You can live on that for a long time, man. Yeah. I, I always wanted to kind of show up with one of those pizzas on like um like the set of Naked and Afraid. I don't know if you guys watched that show. <laughs> <laughs> but just in the middle of it, just show up. And be eating a slice of pizza like five yards away from them. Be like, How, how's it going? Say, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this is really good, man. Oh, you, oh, you want some? oh, sorry. I didn't. I didn't notice you there. Oh, you're just just naked and you haven't eaten in 17 days. Like, just I'm hanging just, out there, are you? <laughs> so, so I'm assuming since you brought up the show, you're you're a bit of a fan of the show. Did you happen to see the episode where the guy went in the middle of the night? Or my went, favorite episode? I don't. I even know where you're going before you get there. He went and stole the food from. from the from the production yeah that was amazing they're like we we have to talk man you, like you were not a survivalist he 
he's like, look, I had to do what I had to do. <laughs> that was unbelievable. I love it. Define survivalist, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, it was a last-ditch effort. Been, he went and stole food from the crew. It's been 10 days out there and then happened to stumble upon the production campsite. You're like, oh, uh, craft services. This is good. That's all. The, that's what the production needs. I, I was waiting Somebody for. Somebody left a catering truck out here in the middle of nowhere. What I, are the odds? I, I was waiting for one of the producers to say, uh, "This is naked and afraid, not Survivor." <laughs> that's that's a great show, though, man. We watch Naked and Afraid. Watch Naked and Afraid XL. Uh, my wife and I. Um, it's 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 one of our favorites. It's like Luke Cage, Naked and Afraid. Now, outside of Luke Cage, what is your? Uh, this is incorporating Shield and, of course, the other shows on Netflix. What's your favorite series? Um, from the Marvel world? Yes. Wow. Of course, we know Luke Cage is right there at the top. So Yeah, of course. Outside I mean, of Luke okay, Cage. Okay, so what we're asking is what's your second favorite? Yeah. I I thought that the first season of Jessica Jones, not saying the second season was, was, wasn't great as well, but I, I really loved the first season of Jessica Jones, and I, I loved Kilgrave as a villain. Um, but... You also have to look at Daredevil and um, and the and the first season and uh, the the villain in the first season of Daredevil too. I mean that that was just an amazing performance yeah. uh, by D'Onofrio. Um, so I don't know, man. It's 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 tough. It's toss up. Um, but I, I did. I really liked watching Jessica Jones. I think it was because I was filming Luke Cage and watching Jessica Jones at the same time. So this is really that was a really fun series to watch. I think my favorite episode in all the series was uh, episode was episode eight of Daredevil. That's all Kingpin. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was an amazing episode. Um, and I think one of my favorite lines from any Marvel Netflix series is the one that was never spoken. It was a text message, and that was from Luke to Jessica saying, "Got a new bed." <laughs> Yeah. Um they they in the comics they end up together, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh they they have Very a daughter, the kid. As a matter of fact. Yeah. And doesn't she also appear in uh Heroes from Heroes for Hire as well? Uh she does. Um when 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 they're not arguing, she shows up. <laughs> this this is not the origin of Detective Mark Bailey. However, if you do scour the comics for a character with the name Bailey, Jean Grey's sister marries detective paul bailey and they have a kid so oh. bailey could be gene gray's brother-in-law Ooh, mm. little, fun, little fun fact if you do a lot of research because believe me when i found out i was bailey in the marvel cinematic universe i started googling all kinds of things about what is bailey. <laughs> but i don't think that they cross over the x-men world and stuff well once that deal goes through it's true you know, now once that deal goes through you never know and it's about ha- it's about halfway there that's true yeah um now i'm behind a lot on the luke cage comics has detective bailey made it to the comics yet since the series has come out i have not seen him have an appearance i mean uh detective mark bailey is is totally homegrown out of the out of the series and um you know i'm curious to see what they do with him next so we'll see if he gets him gets his way into the comics so so how could cool- a fan put a fan petition together <laughs> I, I think a fan petition needs to go to hasbro about getting a marvel legends detective bailey figure made as well oh my gosh if i walked in anywhere there was any type of i mean i'm blown away by the fan art and the way the fans have reacted i mean I, like the, the coolest pictures um this guy did an amazing painting he sent it over um it's just so cool like the artwork that's it's come out of the the people the fans that love the show it's 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 awesome i'll, I'll start work on the macaroni art tomorrow oh, per- perfect <laughs> i want i want an owl i want an owl a macaroni owl <laughs> um <laughs> now just lost where it's gonna go um how, how does it feel to know that you there's such a fan response to an original marvel character that that doesn't come from the books um, I, I just, I just keep sitting back and seeing how people react, man. I mean, it feels great. And to, to, like I said, I'm really responsive on, on Instagram. It's kind of my premier platform and people send me stuff and I talk to them with the, the, the direct messages and, you know, meeting people all around the world and, and, and being like, yeah, thanks for the support. I mean, somebody for some reason put together a montage of Bailey clips from season one, all in French. 
Ooh. I, okay. I, it's, it's online. You can Google it. And it's just all of my all of my scenes. But it's done as I'm in Paris. It, it's completely in French. And uh, that's, that's my favorite thing I've found. I don't know why, but there's a montage of French Bailey. So you're overdubbed in French. Exactly. And does the guy, sa- does really the guy well. sound like you? No, he sounds better. He's really good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, God. I was laughing and sneezing at the same time. <laughs> That's never good. Now, I found on Marvel Cinematic Universe Wiki uh, your character. And yeah. These were some of the quotes that they have from the show that involve, involve you. Okay. Uh, first one is between Bailey and Misty. Okay. You know he's so clean. It's it's freaky. Yes. In what way? He has uh, no credit cards, no email address. No uh, Facebook, no porn. That That's... Why do you find no porn so disturbing? It's just, it's like, well, this guy ain't real. He ain't got porn. (laughs) This guy can't be real. He's not even looking at porn. Who invited him? No, yeah, man, that that it's really funny. Watch the French version. Watch how the French guy does the line. It's really good. <laughs> um, second one. This is where it touches back to to something you were talking about earlier. Um, hey Bailey, how you doing? It's another beautiful day in, at the office. What's not to love? Don't you start singing show tunes on me? There it is. <laughs> That's the very first appearance of Bailey. All the okay. rest, is, the rest is history. Okay, so Bailey gets you know, sneaks in some show tunes when when Misty's not expecting it. What's the first thing he rattles off with? Did, did you see the um in in season two? Antonique sings a beautiful uh, version from uh for a, a beautiful show tune when I'm sitting at the desk from uh, Dream Girls. Yes, it, it's, there you go. It's pretty good. But if it was me, I would I would just I would just kick back to maybe some Oklahoma. You know, just a break Golden Haze on the meadow. Little <laughs> so, so Rogers and Hammerstein. That, honestly, I was just sitting there and I'm thinking uh, he, Bailey would like Oklahoma. I've gone more showboat, but that's just me. I, I was thinking there's a, there's a bright golden haze on the concrete. I, I was thinking a little West Side there's Story. A bright golden haze on the crime scene. <laughs> now I was kind of hoping for Greece myself. That's just me. Now for, for, for oh, yeah. per- Greece is the word. For personality, they say this is one of the best quotes to describe Bailey. Misty, we're friends, but I always tell you the truth. Your injury makes people feel uncomfortable. Actually, I really loved reading, reading and delivering that line. Um, and they kind of pulled away from me in the, in the, in the take. But I actually felt that, that like that summed up Bailey for the season. And I, and I loved it. I, I really, really dug that line when I read it. I was like, Misty, look, I'm going to be a straight shooter with you. And this is how I am. And I think that that's that's Bailey. And then hopefully, like, I'll you know get a little more humor and a little more cracking up in him next season. Mm-hmm. What, what's the one show tune you want to sing outside of Oklahoma in the next season? My wife won't let me sing. <laughs> I, she, she knows I'm so bad. She forbids it. <laughs> She she can sing amazing. That's why she's perfect pitch. Every time I sing, she just looks at me and shakes her head. So uh, according to her, I'm just I'm not allowed to sing. Well, you, I mean, you you can't be as bad as Pierce Brosnan and uh, Mamma Mia. <laughs> Listen, I, I I said we come on. We all know it's true. I'm not going to talk down to James Bond. He'll he'll show up here. He'll show up here at my house. Boom boom boom. I'll be I'll be over. It's James Bond. Yeah, but you got Misty. That's, That's true. true. I think she'd stick up for me. I really yes, do. Would. <laughs> or at least you hope. I hope she <laughs> <you> would. <laughs> Look, uh, you know that in that the one fight, uh, the first the fight in the in the pool hall where uh, Colleen basically more or less started the fight and sat back and watched just let Misty handle it. Yeah. Any woman that can fight with one arm and still handle business, you know what? I take my chances. Hey, just saying. It, it's all hey, it's all good. She she killed it in that scene too. Like she she was swinging, killing it. That was great. It, it only takes one hand to throw a shoe. She, uh, she, uh, well, she she kept her shoes on, but her feet weren't always on the ground. I'll put you like that. Okay. There you go. What what other series would you like to see Detective Bailey appear in in a crossover? Sort of like Rosario Dawson. Um, I think that like I think Bailey should make an appearance in in Iron Fist uh, because you know there's a, so much crossover there. It just makes sense with the world. Um, if he ever showed up in Jessica Jones or or Daredevil, that could be really cool. Like you have a you have like a show based around you have one episode in like Daredevil 
you, this is what I do. One episode in Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, okay, that's based around all of the secondary characters and what's happening in their lives. Like, all of those secondary characters, like Turk, who shows up at everything, like, yes. you, you, just have, you just have one episode that's based around what's happening with all of them. I think that could be really cool. I, I think the final shot needs to be a, a, a recreation of the diner scene, that famous diner painting that's genius that would be awesome yeah yeah for a moment there i thought you were going seinfeld but that's just no. that's just me no that could be fun too now that's true but who would eat the big salad <laughs> see if you're, if you're if you're having a moment like that i think it needs to be bailey and naughty at cat's dale at cat's deli <laughs> oh i i, I can see bailey he, he's like pondering his... this he's pondering this <laughs> no soup for you of, i was trying to think of a way to have it be like naughty and and bailey Somehow at, at Harlem's Paradise. Because you Ooh. notice, I'm like the only guy that doesn't go to Harlem's Paradise. That's true. I want to, I'd like, one day I should probably go check it out. I get the feeling you're going to probably, I, I don't know, I, 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 I get the feeling there that there is some time at Harlem's Paradise in your future. I think so. That that's just uh, just just way I see it. That sounds good. Uh, to I'm call. You know what? I'm calling it because I was right about us getting Fantastic Four back. I was a little bit off on the timing, but I called it. I'm calling it. You're going to get some time at Harlem's Paradise. All right. I, I, I'm excited. How about right. season three finale? Huh. He takes over Harlem's Paradise. <laughs> or or at least he he gets there. He's seated and he looks around. Last last line of the of the show. So this is what it's like. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. A beer, please. Just go beer, please. <laughs> make, make it a little cheers moment. Bailey walks in. Everyone goes, Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> We should do that in the precinct. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. So, I'm still trying to get past the there. There's a bright golden haze on the concrete, <laughs> and, and that's got to be the show title right there. I wanted to. I wanted to sing that my very first day on set. They they were saying I could you know start improvising a little bit. Um, and that line where I said, you know, another beautiful day at the office. What's not the love? I said, don't, don't you go singing show tunes on me. If they gave me a chance, I was going to improvise when they swing it back. I'd be like, yeah, there's a bright golden haze on the concrete. That was good. That was going to be my line. Oh, but, but I didn't get a chance to throw it in. What if Bailey decides that he wants to write his own musical and he calls it Oklahoma Harlem? Uh. Ah! Oh! 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 You, you you know Bailey when he's by himself, he's listening to old school hip hop. You know he does. Oh, absolutely. He's listening to <laughs> De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest. He's he's listening to all of it. There you go. See, I always figured Bailey as like a Run DMC, Grandmaster Flash type guy. That's that's true. I saw KRS One perform the other day, which is awesome. Oh, you, oh man! Wow, I'm jealous. <laughs> Because he's not, he, he. I don't think he's even touring anymore. You know? he did a he did a performance after the screening in uh, in DC. It's pretty awesome. Oh man! Wow. <laughs> See now, now now you guys want me? You're making me want to go break out my Wu Tang Clan, and okay. that's just going to keep me up all night. Yeah, but whatever. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, so okay, so you're so what do you do between okay, so you're you're well we know that third season is coming. Do do you have an idea of when for that and what do you do in the meantime? I honestly haven't been um nobody's been updated as to like what's gonna go on with season three as of yet. So we're all kind of waiting to hear what those steps are going to be. And in the meantime, um, you know, you, you do other projects and you work on other things. You know, over the wintertime, I got to work on the posts. So I did a couple of days on set with Steven Spielberg, which is pretty cool. Um, and, uh, you know, just to try to fill up your time doing stuff like that. And you try to, you try to stay in shape and not, um, you know, eat too much banana cake. But uh, I, 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 I'll admit it, I, I had a big piece of banana cake today. <laughs> <laughs> now, to get, treat yourself. 
to get ready to get ready for the role did you have uh like a place uh, a place a police liaison uh who worked with you to kind of make sure you did things right or at least the way nypd does it there's actually a nypd uh, liaison consultant on set um and you if you have any questions or you know you want to know anything they'll they'll answer your questions for you they're right there at your disposal um and they're pretty great they advise everybody really cool guys really smart guys it's cool have they said anything to you that kind of surprised you like you know man i I never figured they would do it like that or Mm, i mean if i'm being honest no i mean they pretty much when when they want to on set like know how something goes the right way they'll they'll pull in the consultant and, and like the consultant will step right in and say look this is how you do it if it was a real police procedure and you know go from there cool was it um what was their time learning to how to handle a handgun in different scenarios not, not on that show actually because i haven't really had to draw my gun yet but um i did for uh boardwalk empire spend the afternoon in an underground shooting range with steve buscemi learning how to shoot a tommy gun oh, oh. Yeah. okay now i'm jealous <laughs> So that was pretty fun. Um, and uh, yeah, because originally in my scene in Boardwalk Empire, when I killed McGonagall, I killed him with a Tommy gun. So I really shredded him up. But uh, I think they thought that it took uh, too much focus away from the scene that they wanted to have happen. So they ended up cutting that and they flew the guy uh, McGonagall back in from Portland, Oregon for three hours. And we went to a gigantic green screen in a parking lot and we recreated the scene on the Irish countryside in a parking lot. And he just turned around and I blew his head off with a with a pistol. So that's that's my that's my experience with guns. It's that Indiana Jones approach. Why bring a whip to a sword fight when he use a gun? Exactly. Just back. Or you even better bring both. Yeah. Yeah. So um you guys have any other questions? Um no, I don't. No? I think think it's fine more but you know well i'm gonna end with this final question where can people find you online okay well yeah i said it a couple times they can find me at uh justin swain official on instagram um you can find me at j swain official on twitter i think and, and justin swain official on facebook but definitely on instagram find me hit me up you know send messages and you know i i talk to fans it's it's awesome just did hey this just in and and both mighty marvel geeks twitters or instagrams are following you now so so we know plug this show with you on instagram and on twitter absolutely see it seems seems to be the two better places to go that's where everyone's going these days so well uh want to thank you for coming on it was was a blast uh definitely check out justin in season one season two of luke cage and the upcoming season three which i believe will come out next year or are still undetermined at the, at the yeah, moment. Yeah, we're still waiting to hear about whatever's going to happen in season three. Uh, no one knows as of today. So. For all we but know. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I, it was wonderful talking to you. This was this was great. I appreciate you having me. Oh, it was Dude, a blast. Pleasure is all ours. Yeah, we nice we love getting people in to talk. So, and, and I will say, you are definitely the first actor we've had from any of the netflix series number one so you uh, will be the first we we definitely would love to get more but you you know we could distinctly say you were the first so you guys watch the show ozark i have not heard of ozark actually you should watch it it's on netflix it's with jason bateman it's it's a really great show and um a good good guy uh kevin johnson's on that show and i bet if you invited him to be on your show he'd probably say yes i don't want to speak for him uh but uh that's a great show check it out Ozark. We will have to do that. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, a welcome time, by the way. We'd yeah. love to have you back. Yeah, well, thank you Anytime. for having me. We'll have to do it again. Um, so, as we wrap up the way we always do, Jarvis, if you would. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope, just time <laughs> to go dark. So, I know we touched on it briefly in the beginning. What did the rest of your family or all your friends think when you told them, I am now part of the MCU? They were just happy about it. So, um, so I take it, it, it was something that did catch you off guard that 
um, I mean, I know we talked about you, you were thinking of going to a Disney movie, but I mean, was, was how long did the high last before uh, before it completely oh, sunk in? No, I mean, it, it was like it still hasn't really sunk in. I'll be honest with you. It's, it's awesome to get a chance every time I go back to set. So, you know, I, it, it's still exciting. Every single time I get a new script and I see what they gave me to do, if it's bigger, more, I, I just get, it was, it was exciting, man. Especially when the parts started to grow. And I remember being home for Thanksgiving and getting like a script where I was doing quite a bit in the episode and showing my wife and my family. And they're like, what? That's amazing. So yeah, it's every time they send me something, I get excited. 